<laughs> Hello and welcome to Divine Renovation for the rest of us. My name's Dan O'Rourke and along with me is Pastor Christopher Drew. How are you doing, Christopher? Hey, I, I don't think we've ever been that official before. Oh, <laughs> How are you doing? I, I dropped the P word. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. My energy is going to bounce back. Okay. That's that's the goal. I want to ask you a super important philosophical question. Are you ready oh, for this? That's the way to start then. This is how we're going. Yeah. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. All right. Why don't you answer this? I, I came across this the other day and I, I, I sat thinking about it for a while. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes. Why? Because it's tubular and meat squished between bread. And a sub is a sandwich. Okay. Yeah. And that was it. I, I, I sat down. Like, it was like mind blown just just considering the question for a second. Of all of the things that I'm reading to make me go, oh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Is it? It's like my whole my whole perception of the world was shaking was for rocked. a moment. Yeah. It I said, rocked. What? What is fundamentally a sandwich? Is <laughs> It's got to be bread. Yeah. Hot dog has bread. Is it the bun? Sandwiches usually have meat. I, I, I guess hot dogs are meat in between bread. And like, if you put relish, it, it even counts, I think, as a vegetable. Oh yeah, I, I, ketchup is pretty much tomato. So yeah, yeah, I mean we're we're right there, right? I, I, some people put onions on them, and there are onions on other sandwiches, right? I know. I I, I sat down and went. I, I guess it is. I I'm gonna feel a lot better about um, asking sometimes. What you know? What did you have for lunch? I had a sandwich. That sandwich. <laughs> sandwich. I had a sandwich. It was pretty good. A street sandwich. It was just, yeah. It, uh, it, was, it was wrapped in foil and covered in mustard, but it was a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Divine Renovation for the rest of us rocking your world since 2016. <laughs> anyway, I, I ask because, I mean, these things are, it's interesting to think about what, what makes, you know, what does it take to, to fall into a category? And maybe it's not, maybe sandwiches aren't super important, but, but still, it, it's worth thinking about. But uh, the question, of course, is what what is it that that makes a person a Christian? Like, what is it that what's what's the essential elements there um, that uh, yeah that without it I don't I don't care what you are you're you're something else. And I read this really interesting article by uh, by Pope Francis back in back in October. I read it recently. By are, Pope Francis or of Pope Francis? By, well, I guess uh, I guess it was an article about him speaking in Germany in October. I read it more recently, and yeah. uh, and it talked about that an essential quality of of being a Christian is is to be faithfully living out the the beatitudes and the teaching of Christ in particular when it comes towards our treatment of of the other mm-hmm. of of our neighbor and that that if we fail to do those things no matter what we want to call ourselves no matter no matter how often we show up at at church or or no matter how how you know frequently we engage in spiritual disciplines that if we fail to do those things whatever we are is not christian and and that, you know, perhaps more dramatically than, than questioning sandwiches, it made me really think and go, yeah. I, I mean, sometimes we've, um, we've allowed the notion of you, you are a Christian if in, um, in, in a lot of evangelical circles, you're a Christian if you said a prayer at one point where you ask God to, you know, forgive you and make you more Christian-y. Um, or, or, or perhaps here, if you, you know, if you, if you engaged in uh, first communion and confirmation, whatever happens after that point doesn't matter. 
you're you're in. And and Pope Francis very strongly said that that no, being a Christian means you are a follower of Christ. If you are not following, whatever you are is is something else. And and that made me really think because because right now, you know, in our in our time in the world today, care for the other is something that we are all really thinking about and grappling about and wondering how to do it. And and I think it's really important. Wow. Um the hot dog question was almost easier. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So I, I, it's always, I think, through Pope, uh, Pope Francis's um, uh, messages, I, I think there's always this theme yeah. of, uh, you know, supporting the poor yeah. and um, recognizing that, you know, we have a duty yeah. uh, as Christians to um, be both physically in support of uh, by physically I mean like you know yeah. giving our our, our our money yeah uh, and 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 you know our, our gifts of, of of treasure yeah uh, but then also prayerfully supportive and then yeah. frankly personally supportive of those in need and that's really been a I think a central theme of of yeah of his time as our, our, our Pope um, those things are not always easy or straightforward in terms of um, doing them. Well, they're, they're not supposed to be easy. And I mean, when they, when we were, when Christ was teaching them to us, they weren't even in the context of, of being easy. I mean, they were, they were in the context of saying, listen, if someone comes up and strikes you, forgive them and, you know, turn the other cheek. Ultimately, you know, allow yourself the vulnerability to be still in that position to be struck again. Or if someone is forcing you to to travel a certain distance, willingly travel beyond that. I mean, those are those are not easy scenarios to enter into, but they are apparently compulsory scenarios to enter into. That that we will find ourselves with people around us who we would consider, rightly or wrongly, are our enemies. And still, the the teaching there is to to love them to have compassion upon them, to, to treat them well. And if we are, are not doing that, we are, again, failing to live up to the teachings of, of Christ. We are failing to be a Christ follower or, or a Christian, a disciple. So, I mean, that could be, <laughs> that feels bejudgmental, Christopher, because it's not, uh, it's not always easy for us to, um, uh, to, I guess, recognize our responsibility. Yeah. And so I think that's the first challenge you're putting on the table is, yeah. you know, uh, if 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 Pope Francis is right, yeah, and uh, if he's right, then then we have to acknowledge that we have a responsibility, and then we have to start to live that out. Yes. Um, so I think what what the challenge is is you know does it match exactly with with what Jesus told us? Do you, do you think it does? Well, I, I I really do think it does. So again, there's there's this parable that Jesus tells in in Matthew. It's about um about a king returning, and he he brings these people forward, and uh, it's a parable of the the goats on the the left and the sheep on the right and um, they say that um, you know you people who are on the the left you you saw me when I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink you saw me when I was hungry and you didn't give me food you saw me naked and you didn't give me clothes I was imprisoned and you didn't visit me I was sick and you didn't you didn't care for me and they all look at him and go when did we see you in any of those scenarios? We we absolutely would have helped you if we saw them or saw you in like that. We we would have loved to assisted you. And he said, well, you you saw other people like that, and you didn't help them, so you you didn't help me. 
Likewise, he turns to the people on the, the right, the sheep, saying, same, same scenario. You saw people who were in need and you addressed those needs. And they go, well, we didn't. We didn't see you like that. We just we just did it because we were supposed to. Said exactly, you you did it for the people who needed it. So it was like you were doing it for for me. I, I don't need a lot of context for that. I I don't need to know what people we don't like or what people are suffering because they deserve it or don't deserve it. The the teaching there is is pretty blunt that we are called to do these things for people whether or not we we think we are. That's that's the story of the good Samaritan. I mean, here is a a blood feuding international enemy of people and the hero of the story is is the samaritan the the person who was again that the other that the hated and and we are told to be like that person to to show compassion on people we are otherwise antagonistic towards that that's true regardless of what the antagonism is so from a day-to-day perspective, then let's bring it home to to people who might be listening. Because I mean, it's yeah. one thing to to talk about it in the abstract, but to actually make it tangible. Yeah. Um, how how can we begin to understand how to address that that responsibility? Yeah. So I mean, the the, the simplest thing to do, I think, is is to start taking a, a look at what it is that that we have that we have the capacity to to give. So in um, in the book of James, which is just a tremendous letter to read, I mean, James tells us, you know, don't see somebody who is without clothing or without food and simply pray for them saying, you know, God bless you. I hope you are warm and have food when you have clothing in your home and food in your pantry that you could otherwise pass along. Mm-hmm. That, that, you know, in, in North America, we are – you know, two cloak kind of people that we we have an abundance of things. It's, it's, and again, not everybody. I mean, I understand that there are people who who may have be listening to this that 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 have just the the bare minimum that they need or or are, or are need themselves. But if you find yourself in a position where you you have that capacity, then. And the, the first step is to is to give is to is to find something locally and and to give your figurative or your very literal cup of water to somebody who is in need. Hmm. When uh, one of the things that you know uh, here at St. Benedict Parish that um, one of the cultural norms I think has been established is the importance of of supporting yeah. um, the ministries yeah. and. Uh, some of those ministries are outreach. Uh, others are, 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 you know, uh, discipleship groups, things that help us grow in faith. Um, you know, anyways, so I won't go into it. But I guess my, my the core point I'm trying to get at is the going through a, a divine renovation, if you will. Part of the objective yeah. is to to recognize that um, your contribution to your faith is one of giving and not receiving. Yeah, uh, people aren't members, quote-unquote members of St. Benedict Parish to receive great spiritual fruits, but instead the responsibility is for them to live out a mission where they can provide spiritual fruits to others. And uh, that is sort of, that's the the quintessential flip uh, in in mindset that has to happen in order for for a community, especially this community, to to become the kind of thing that I think Jesus calls us to. Well, I think one of the things that, again, here in North America that we we often have to wrestle with is is are we are we blessed like do we have an abundance of things because we are being blessed of God or 
do we have an abundance of things because we're greedy mm. and that we've been given things with the ability to pass them along but have failed ultimately to to do so and and from the outside what it it can look quite similar i mean we can have a lot of things because it it's perceived that we've been blessed the the story of the rich young ruler approaching christ is is that scenario here is a person um, in in the prime of his life, he has a lot of stuff. He's doing well. He has this sense that maybe maybe I'm lacking something. He approaches Christ and says, "You know what is it that I need to do? How do I gain eternal life?" Jesus rattles through the the Ten Commandments. You know, follow all of these things. I'm, I'm doing that, and I always read this story with the assumption that the man is in earnest. So I've, I've heard it told both ways, that he's he's attempting to be self-satisfied and just show how great he is versus a, a, a legitimate earnest secret. I, I think he's being earnest here. He's saying, no, you know, I've, I've been trying to live morally by the rules of my community as well as I can. I still feel like I'm lacking something. And Jesus says, well, sell everything you have, give it to the poor and and follow me, meaning learn to learn to do with less. Don't feel or don't have your value in the stuff that you're surrounded with and make sure you're, you're caring for the other around you to the, to the incredible capacity uh, mm -hmm. that you could do it. And he can't. He walks away going, I, I, I can't do it. I can't sell my stuff because his stuff, as it turns out, his stuff in this life became more important to him than the, the quest for eternal life that he thought he was on. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't get away from the, the temporal stuff. This is so. This is the if we don't live for the other, yeah. if we if we begin to live for ourselves, we, we become that man, right? Yeah. We, we and we don't have to necessarily be wealthy, rich, um, you know, or, or surrounded by you know hoarder style, uh, you yeah. know, uh, stuff. But it's the whole mindset, right? We 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 turn away from God yeah. if we we fail to recognize that that we're called to to give to to others, to care for others more than the self, and. So many of our, our current major problems that we're facing you know, worldwide are, are so much significantly addressed if the care for the other principle becomes more central. So when we talk about um, some of our environmental challenges in, in Canada as well as the U.S., that if, if we experience particularly bad storms or, or environmental changes, we have the capacity within reason – deal with them. Mm -hmm. So if the if the climate goes to hell in a handbasket, we have the resources that we could we can figure it out for our populations. Other countries can't. That so when we talk about attempting to mitigate this, it comes at a great cost at western and industrialized countries because we're we're so dependent on it. But if we fail to do it, the great cost is shifted to the poor and to the other because they don't have the ability to mitigate what happens. They they end up living with it. There were you know when there are major storms in you know major tropical or hurricane storms in North America, we sometimes talk about dozens, maybe hundreds of people who die. Mm -hmm. When we talk about these same storms in the in the South Seas, we're talking about tens of thousands of people. Who who die? You know, it, you can get into the hundreds of thousands of, of people who are are in tragedy, because we have the resources to deal with it. The other doesn't. One of the funny things about about the whole principle, right, of, yeah. of care for the other. I mean, like, okay, so I'm a dad. Yeah. 
your dad. Yeah. Um, we're about to hit our birthday season, right? So our boys have a they're, – they're clumped together in terms of, um, of Us birthdays. Us too. And, yeah. Um, what we'll be doing this year is not unlike other years in the sense that um, they will all get birthday presents. Yeah. Um, and i got to be honest. It's kind of nice to give them birthday presents. Yeah. It, it feels good when you give them something, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, in our case, they're getting stuff they probably don't need. I mean, we'll get, we'll, there's some essentials that will crop up. They always do, you know, the socks, the underwear, you know, those are the, the presents that get unwrapped and tossed aside pretty quick. And then they'll get a toy. A toy. Oh, a toy. And it brings, you know, it brings them a lot of happiness. But yeah. it also brings me as a dad, it brings me happiness to, to give to them. Yeah. How much more? Can I experience that joy when I'm giving something to someone who actually needs yeah. it? And that's the funny thing about this whole notion of, you know, um, selling all your stuff and give it away and follow me. I mean, th there's an amazing amount of joy when we actually step out of our own comfort zone yeah. and look to support and give to others, especially those who are in true need. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think it's absolutely absolutely critical when we talk about again because I, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm trying to cancel fun and, and gift giving in, in houses but one of the things that you know we've looked at because kind of our, our birthday season comes up it's 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 all from the tail end of February to the very beginning of of March uh, my three kids all have their birthdays in the span of about about two weeks a little less than that like they are when we talk about birthdays being clumped together like bam there it is uh, when I look at our the you know the the room that we have for them the the playroom it is it is chalk to the gills with toys, mm -hmm. and and my wife and I have had this conversation every now and again. I said we really should start coming at that principle of when you when you get something new that you you should be giving away you know one or two of your of your older things. There shouldn't be this constant stockpiling of accumulation. Yeah, yeah. We just we went just went through the Christmas season, and I was reading. Um, just a couple of weeks ago now, uh, an article about uh, about the waste that's produced. So not just about the gifts. So if you got a, a shirt for Christmas, but uh, but whoever gave it to you missed the size, mm -hmm. and you go, ah, no problem. I'll just I'll just go back. I'll return my my large for a medium or or whatever motion you have in that. And and I have always always assumed that when I am returning an unopened unused item, it goes back on the shelf. Someone else can buy it and. And no, no waste here, other than my time and their time. But it almost never goes back on the shelf. It gets diverted to um, secondary sellers, and if they don't sell it, it ends up in a landfill. The the article I read pegged it at, oh, I can't remember now how many billions of dollars worth of products get sold, returned, are perfectly good, and end up in a landfill. And that just blew my mind. It was just because, again, we are we are in such a a society of, of, of waste. We, we create things specifically to be thrown away. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's craziness. So when we talk about, well, how do I have enough resources to, uh, to make sure I'm, 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 I'm giving? I mean, one of the first things we have to look at is, well, how, how, much, am I, how much am I using my own stuff for things that, that I, I, I don't need and are almost certainly just going to end up thrown away? I mean, it's, it's a major factor. For... for um in my house, um, I've done, I think, a really good job of getting rid of um, my own personal stuff. Yeah. That uh, So I've pared down a lot in the last two-ish years. 
because I realized surrounding me was all sorts of stuff that I wasn't even using. It was just sort of taking up space. Clothing was was perhaps the most perfect example. Like I had a lot of clothing that just wasn't in wasn't in circulation, if you will. You know, like uh, there were those were bad decisions or or, or gifts from mom. <clears throat> you know, <laughs> where it was like, wow, that that's wonderful, yeah, mom. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. I'll wear that once just so I can yeah. take a picture and send it to you. Yeah. Um, so like we realized, at least I realized in my family that you know I had a lot of stuff I just didn't need anymore, and so yeah. I, wor- I worked hard at, at giving it away. Yeah. Clothes are the easiest to give away, at least yeah, here in yeah. Canada, because there's bins everywhere. You yep. can just toss them in, uh, and they all get either recycled or, or, or resold. And um, so clothing in that sense is pretty easy. Some of the other stuff's harder. Yeah. I find it harder to 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 get rid of um, stuff. So, you know, Kijiji, Craigslist, those kinds of services where you can um, either sell or post for free stuff. Um, that was one of the routes that I used with some of my things. Um but what I what I'm slowly getting around to the point is, it's um, it's hard for as a family unit yeah. to recognize that okay you know no we need to get to the point where we're, we've got things a little more uh, simplified and realize that we don't we don't want to live a lifestyle where it looks like we even have all this stuff like it, it it's starting to feel like we've got too much it doesn't feel right yeah because uh, there's other people who don't have nearly as much yeah and. Um, Sometimes even finding avenues for how to give that stuff away can be a real challenge, yeah. uh, because in our case, it's not like we're flush with money. That's not yeah. the case. <laughs> no. Ooh, no. So, but we do have a, a lot of um, we've accumulated material goods through yeah. gifts and 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 uh, through purchases over the years that you know we don't really need as much anymore. Yeah. Well, again, it's I mean the challenging thing is to think about is is right now I would consider for again North American standards, my family we live relatively simply not not in an outlandish house we don't have an outlandish vehicle we we're not stocked to the gills with with you know with every newest thing that we could have but it's still it's still impossible for every person on the planet to live at the level that i'm living it's impossible yeah. there's not enough stuff or space to go around which means I am absolutely living on the fact that there are a number of people who have to live in much, much, much simpler or, or far harder conditions than I'm living. And that's that has to be challenging, again, for, for us in, in North America. And so I think there's, there's certainly ways to go about um, supporting others. Yeah. Uh, for me, uh, the, the most obvious and the simplest, perhaps, is, is through cash donations, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you can find yeah. support groups. Um, you know, there's a great one here locally that uh, Chalice yeah. does amazing work all yeah. over the world. And so they're a charity that gets, you know, applauded for their very low overhead. I mean, there's an organization that really keeps yeah. their overhead low. Um, there's other organizations, I think, like that yeah. out there that are, are up to good causes. Yeah. Um, so that's the easiest way. Yeah. What are some of the others? Well, you know, setting aside stuff for a second or money i mean one of the things that are that i think are so important is is being that that positive outreach and connection for the people people around you so again i mean the our world for the last five or six years has been you know wrestling with massive migration because of of a number of wars in um, in the Middle East and it's and it's easy on this side of the ocean in you know Halifax Nova Scotia Canada to be fairly divorced from that because there is an ocean between us and Europe and and us in Africa and the Middle East and we're we're far removed but still the the level of dialogue that happens between the other 
and our, our supposed enemies and and the people who are who perhaps have been living here for generations or some of the refugees that have come just recently is really really challenging so again to be that that warm and gracious and welcoming uh, person that 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 uh, that we should feel compelled to to care for and meet the needs of of these people who are struggling in the world there I there are there are more refugees right now in the world than there ever have been ever in our entire history of a planet there are more refugees and and we have the capacity to do more than we are but but it but it's hard it's hard because it because it, it, it challenges our sense of safety mm. um, but but again the Beatitudes never implied safety it, they in fact implied quite the opposite that we were putting ourselves in vulnerable places but it was still the right thing to do we're not talking just about people who are in radical need. I mean, like I think of refugees, I think of people who are in radical yeah. need. Yeah. But I don't think we're just talking about them, are we? No, no, we're not. No, we're not. I mean, in some sense, that's the most uh, that's the most uh, apparent, or or has been the most apparent to me. But but no, I mean, there are people who are in are in every day almost in invisible need. Mm, and, yeah, exactly. And, yeah, and again, the the ability to to address that and to approach that, even our even our discourse around that, it it is, it it's become so easy to to blame the person who doesn't have for not having, and and that's always the impetus. I mean, it's we we come across that in scripture. We we come across that in our in our newspapers or our, or our online articles that that the poor just should be better, um, and and again, Christ constantly reminds us that that's. That's not how it's supposed to work, and and it's our job to have have compassion. I, I'm, I'm mindful of the fact that even in uh, you know in our pews, the people I would sit next to on on Sundays, yeah. uh, there's got to be people that um, that have all sorts of of need that yeah. are needs that are going unfulfilled. Yeah, uh, some of those might be physical, tangible. Uh, yeah. you know, like you know, I, I, I it saddens me to even think about it, but I'm sure that people. Uh, here in my church that you know are don't have you know enough food to eat in a given week yeah because uh, i mean there's a huge community here there's thousands yeah and so uh, there's no question just statistically there's yeah. got to be uh, yeah. people here who are struggling to you know to make ends meet on uh, on the most basic of levels yeah. and then there's also frankly especially in a church community uh, if you think of your own church and, and other churches uh, there's a lot of, there tends to be a lot of seniors yeah and uh, some of those seniors struggle a lot with loneliness yeah and i mean that is a real need right yeah. that need for companionship for friendship for for yeah. for sense of of connectedness yeah. i mean that's a that's a true tangible need that that needs to be met yeah and how how simple and easy it could be yeah uh to find time for for something as simple as taking a person out for a coffee yeah well that's it i mean going back to that that parable that jesus told about the the sheep and the goats he's not listing incredibly difficult things he's talking about you saw me without something to drink and didn't supply me with yeah. a drink that 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 we have the capacity to see an immediate need and respond to it i mean that should be our starting point saying help me to be more aware of the immediate needs around me and my capacity to address 
those because it's easy to get overwhelmed. It's easy to take a mm-hmm. step back and say, wow, there's there's these issues around environmental concerns or these issues around war and security. There are these these issues around um, systematic loneliness and and uh, seniors poverty and and uh, abuse and and on and on and on and on it goes. And it, we can become paralyzed because there is so many things that we could be addressing. And and many people are working towards them, but it's but it's easy to become paralyzed. The first thing to do, and it's it's a it's a it's an important thing, but I would almost call it a dangerous thing to do, is to is to consistently pray, you know, to you know, God, open my eyes to the people around me and and ways in which I can I can address. Because the the first and simplest act is probably seeing a person who is in need of food right at this moment. When you know you have the ability not to feed them for the rest of their lives, but you can meet this temporary need, and once you start, uh, you know it's, you just have to ask that God will continue you. Here, here's what I love about it too: I, I, giving is contagious. Yeah, it's what we're talking about is absolutely. I mean, we've been Laura my, and I have been so blessed as part of this community. We have received so many gifts, tangible and intangible, yeah. uh, from people we know and people, frankly, we don't know. Yeah, and you know. Every time we give one of these gifts, I, I got to tell you, like we were, like, I, I turn around, I'm like, what? What can I do for somebody else? I want to yeah. pass this forward, pay it forward. Like yeah, yeah. it is amazing how it's how contagious it can become to get you know to be in this this community of of, of supportive relationships and uh, the opportunity here is to you know to to launch a virus out into the world of yeah. of of support, like to you know to be the the generator of of something that will go so much further then you can possibly understand or appreciate just by being yeah. that first domino. Yeah. And I think when we embrace the opportunity and the responsibility to, to care for others, uh, the outcomes can be so monumental and have so much impact and go so far afield that we can't even fully appreciate how God's using us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's exactly it. I, the, the capacity to, to have that almost that, echo chamber of uh of of good works is is so important because because it is contagious so as i do it and you do it and other people are experiencing this grace 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 is contagious the the desire to care and you know i don't want to put too grim of a spin on it it you know there there is a, a streak of selfishness in all of us and if we if we feed that and if we nurse that and if we reward that then then we sink deeper into that there has to be a constant push towards self-sacrifice. But the but the good thing is, is if you do it and I do it and everyone around us do it, if we're all sacrificing for the other, we're all better because of it. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Christopher, this has been a great conversation. If people want to find more of you, where should they hunt you down? I can look for me on uh, Twitter at Topher D. Drew, and, uh, and I'm at uh, Stevens Road uh, United Baptist Church here in uh, Darkman, Nova Scotia. Uh, my name's Dan O'Rourke. You can find me at Dan O'Rourke on Twitter. And all things Divine Renovation can be found at divinerenovation.net, where we have a website, and that is why it has a URL. Uh, <laughs> we also have a Facebook page. Do a quick search for Divine Renovation on Facebook. Give us a like there. Uh, Div Reno is the Twitter account, at Div Reno, uh, for the Divine Renovation Twitter account. Uh, Patreon, if you feel called to support us financially, we would love that. And if you don't feel called to support us financially, give us a like on iTunes because that should take just a moment of your time and we are in need. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. We look forward to the next conversation. Uh, We will end this conversation with a ringtone from Paul's phone. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not prepared.
Blackberry. <laughs> <laughs>